After a bit of a hiatus, Kitchen Table Netrunner is back! On this episode, we catch up on the news from Nisei, review creation and control, uncover stealth, and talk tournaments. Don't miss the dad jokes Tristan has stealthfully included. Welcome back to Kitchen Table Netrunner. I'm Tristan. I'm Nicole. And I should say, like, welcome back. Like, is a big dramatic thing. It's, it's almost been a like while. mid-season break. Well, we did have a new human join our family. Here's the thing. I've recorded podcast episodes before. I've had babies before. But never at the same time. They are very disruptive. Indeed they are. You're welcome for all the sleep that I allow you to get. So, since we last talked to you guys, lots of news has come out. Number one, uh, in no particular order, nationals applications are up. You can apply for nationals. Do you think we should apply for U.S. nationals? No. You don't want to organize like a 200-person event, maybe 80-person event? No, I'm already stressed out enough about regionals. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Okay, we're not going to do nationals. I heard they're going to try for it in San Francisco. I like San Francisco. And it's just a quick flight away. Usually very reasonable through Alaska or other regional carriers. Fascinating. Yeah. Also, Worlds finally announced. Nisei was able to organize a venue and get all that figured out. Fact. It's in Netherlands this year. Fact. And we're gonna go! Boy, I hope so. A couple more things to figure out. Haven't bought our tickets yet. Right. Not really planning on competing. No, but just check it out the seat because we will have seven children with us. Some None of them of whom would be ready to play. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say some of them have dreams about playing or like some side kids worlds. I don't know. Maybe they can organize like a little kids game day. Like a side event. Right. But not. That would require worlds. us bringing things yeah. to another con. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Okay. We're hoping to be there and meet people and just check out the sea. Yeah. Prepare for next worlds. Get ready, right? Perhaps. They might have it in Australia or something. You don't know. Mm. I was supposed to be a disincentive. Like, oh, I guess we won't go there. But it sounded like that sweetened the deal for you. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Also in the news, rotation was finalized. So when Uprising comes out, Q4, they're going to rotate out the lunar cycle and creation and control. But some essential cards have been either saved in System Core 2019, presumably to carry forward to System Core 2020, or they're going to be saved specifically in Uprising. Ah, that'd be interesting not having all new cards in Uprising, like pulling some of the old ones. Yeah, they promised less than 10%. Oh, okay. So just a few. Self-modifying code among them. Ah, I have come to like that card. We'll talk more about that later, too. There's a bunch of teasers. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. I'm excited. Okay. I know. I know. I know. Also, just today, today, the new MWL dropped. Big news. The big thing was trying to restore balance. Uh, It felt like at the competitive levels, runner was way favored. So banning crowdfunding. That's a bummer. That's a fun card, isn't it? It is. 
real strong though. I guess it's like reading the thing. It seemed like it was strong just because you pull it back after you make runs, right? Well, also by itself, there is already a card. It's called Easy Mark. You spend zero credits and a click, and you get three credits. Crowdfunding, you have to be a little bit patient, but you spend zero credits and a click, and you get three credits and a card. Yeah. So by itself, it might already be better. But then, like you said, you can just right, and reinstall it, doesn't it for take free. It click. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't take a yeah. click to bring it back. That's pretty strong. If you're already planning on running, if you can get other benefits from running, whether that's bankroll or whatever. They also specifically restricted a bunch of cards that were... Uh, they were powering some popular runner decks, like the Taps 419, right? Where they would expose your ice, get a bunch of credits from it. Oh. Or the Arvraw. Can you say that in a French way? It'll be a lot better than yours. Okay, try it. Arvraw. Arvraw. It sounds so smarmy. <laughs> But in a good way? I don't think there is a good way to smarmy. Well, what about like all the adorable animals that are smarmy? Like smarmits and smarmisets? Wow. You've never been to a zoo, have you? I, I have been to mini zoos. So. <laughs> you see those smarmy smarmisets? Just smarming around. <laughs> so that, it was all things getting pushed into the MWL from the runner side and from the corp side there's this whole either like Gagarin or other places where you're seeing SIU and Zealous Judge so that even with the runner not running they can be tagged into like a high profile target flatline which is maybe too strong yes you should have to take some risk to get something that to put bad. yourself in that position yeah yeah okay, and then so hold okay. on don't yeah, go yeah. too far so you're talking about restricted cards yes what does that mean does that mean you can't use them at all no that's those are the removed okay the restricted is your unicorn you can only have so you get one you can have one, one set set okay so that's on the runner's side au revoir corporate grant the grant is in air quotes she was saying it with quotes. Power tap yep. and tech trader. Right. Okay. So there's like, those are each answering. There's like the Alvoa. Woo. Is that better? Keep going. There was the the corporate grant. Uh, Dan Spinoza was playing a lot of um, like a credit denial that he thought was really, I mean, it seemed really powerful, right? And just like keeping the corp, keeping the corp constantly down on credits via corporate grant and other effects, whether it's diversion of funds or other things. Power taps again, the taps four and nine. I don't remember. I have no idea. Okay. And then Tech Trader was part of the, like, Geist, Haley, install a bunch of things and trash a bunch of things. Did you ever play against those decks where they did, like, 15 Uh, things in one turn? No. I played against one. I feel like you should have to pass a test to play that deck because it's really easy to miss your triggers and be like, oh, wait, what click is it? I forget. Did I trigger this ability yet? Uh." Yeah. I can't keep up with that kind of stuff. One day you will. I bet you'll like Haley. Anyway, and then they took Surveyor and Excalibur. Which were restricted. Off the restriction. Now they're totally legal. So you can use Excalibur with Mother Goddess and it won't get any more subtypes. That's pretty good. Although they're both 
unique. So that's kind of restrictive still. You have to get some other... Um, well, that's good. It seems like a good balance then. Right. You have to get like Loki or something if you want to just make a deck that regular icebreakers can't break. Which should be hard, right? I do like Surveyor. Well, but Surveyor's looking at this good. list, it doesn't really affect me. I mean, except for crowdfunding, which will be a bummer. But other than that, I do have Corporate Grant in a deck or two. But if it's just restricted, then upset. You weren't using any of the other restricted cards? Wait, now there are more? Of course, those are the just ones that were added. So oh. on the runner side, all of these cards on this list are restricted. So Lamb was the big one oh. that you used, Labor Rights. I don't know. I don't think I used it in the same deck. Okay. All right. Anyway. Cool. I was following all the rules before, so. And this doesn't push likely. any of your decks over. Okay. Surveyor, though. Surveyor That's... and Jinja, you know, are best friends. So you can just start stacking, even if you can't mm-hmm. res it. Right. It's a good point. So I think that that's an opportunity for more vertical play to come into back into season. But I already had Surveyor and some decks, so... Again, well, now you can add some cool, spicy other stuff to it. Perhaps. Right? You're, you can add SIU in. <laughs> I already could have. Right. <laughs> okay. So that is huge. All that news is a busy yeah. couple of months. So we're going to talk about creation and control today. As our tribute to it, as we're catching up on the card pool, as we're looking, taking a final look at things before rotation that you might want to see or put into competitive play. So Creation Control is a box set, the first one, for HB and Shaper. Yes. And one of the places in New Angeles that it explores, right, is the uh, Levy University. You saw the Levy University as just like a... It's a corporate funded university where they research programming to like create new kinds of ice, all that kind of stuff. The runners sometimes use it for their own ends. And I don't know if you heard about this, but, uh, you know, they have an AR lab. Their databases crashed and they had to rebuild them from scratch. Do you know why? Nope. Because they were using Levy AR lab access. Nope. It's a it's the Microsoft database tool, but it's oh. not really made for production use, so it crashes a lot if you get beyond a certain size. I see. Is that you integrating your dad joke into the conversation? Yes. Nice job. Definitely didn't understand it, but I, other yeah. than that. Okay. Well, here's another one. Try this one. While we're on creation control dad jokes, what do you get from kissing Lith? Nope. Monolith. <laughs> <laughs> Is this plural? Are there more coming? I'll save it. It's fine. Okay. So first of all, let's talk about the IDs. On the HP side, we had cerebral imaging, where you get your hand size as the number of credits you have. And so remember, I... So specifically to demo that one, I took a deck that was casual legal, because it has been... Many of the pieces have been destroyed for good reason in various MWLs. And I showed you a brain rewiring contract killer CI, where was it turn seven, eight? Couldn't find any of my agendas, or you found one point or something. But then by turn eight, I think with the combination of game changers. Oh, because you had a couple of agendas. That's right. I had little ones for you that I put out for you. There were the game changers, biotic labors, things like that. I was able to install from hand the brain rewiring advance it all the way, score it, 
put all of your cards on the bottom of your deck, have you draw one, install and re- and, and advance and res contract killer and do two me damage and kill you. That was that was the spicy worlds tech two years ago. Oh, cool. So what do you think about CI? Um, I think it's banned it's, now. Yeah, it's for good reason. It's one of those decks that's like, it's either bad or it's broken, right? Because the combo potential is too strong. Yeah. Because the, the basic thing is, if you can just draw a bunch of cards and make credits, like with the clearances, right? And then your hand, it's so hard to find the agendas because yeah. there's no pressure on you like there normally is. Custom Biotics next. Seven extra influence, no Jinteki cards. What do you think? Well, here's my thought. I feel like if the rule was you can't have Jinteki cards, but the runner doesn't know that, that would be okay. Mm. Or if it's like, you can only have cards from one. I don't know, something like that, right? But the fact that like up front, you know that a third of the cards that I could be spending my influence on, I'm not. And specifically, Snare. No, okay, so I played against your deck. And the thing was that I thought that. I was like, oh, I can just run and be a little bit more carefree because I know there's no Snare. I felt like I got a little bit careless and I got snapped at a few times. So Cerebral Overrider should be mentioned in this context. So it's like a Project Junebug for brain damage. Yeah, oh, that was bad. Yeah, I think you had four. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Uh, The last time we played. So it was good. So I think that the Cerebral Overrider is worth a mention in this specific case because it probably single-handedly makes custom biotics more playable. Yeah. Okay. Next ID. Next design. Next, next, next. Next, yeah. So this one, big deal. When you start... You can install up to three ice and then redraw. That's like six clicks potentially of efficiency. What do you think about that? Yeah, that seems pretty good. So that's good. I feel like the one thing that I found when building the decks for next is you're like, man, I really want this ability to trigger. So you might put in more ice than is prudent. Yeah, I can see that. Okay, next ice. So, so that's the question. Like, do you think that like next design and next ice really go together, or what do you think? Right. Well, that's the question because they both have the capitalized next. Yeah. So, so next they design. Seem to think they go together. It's a corporation that like designs and releases the next ice because they're they're guarding the net. That's Let's their see. thing. Somewhere cold, apparently. Very icy ID. Okay. Do you feel like I? So I played it with some next ice, and it seemed fine. Yeah, next ice goes well. They go with each other, so I could see that being fine. I do think the Foundry has a lot going for it in terms of the next ice. Foundry is the one where when you res a piece of ice, you can search and grab one out of your oh yeah. out of your R and D. So, so let's talk about the runner IDs. Okay. So Kit. Yeah. Kit is in System Core. Pretty right. good. Yeah, I like ten it. influence is hard, but especially with Angolo. You've got a lot of flexibility there. Right. You can just run one breaker if you really want it that way. And just have multiple copies out. Right. Each one's two memory, which takes a bite. Yeah. You've got Polongi and tinkering and all kinds of things that can support that. And she's fun, especially early, right? Because when they have one ice, you need one breaker, no matter what server it is. Right. If you want to get them two. Yeah. Okay. The professor. Yeah, you tried this one. I try all of them. 
I know. I'm a big trier. That's good. Professor, I don't know what to do with this guy. So it's neat that you can have as many programs as you want, but the one of restriction means that it's really hard to build a strategy around. Like, do you know what's a good program that is small and is useful for a little while? Cash. But one cash doesn't get you very far. Mm. And so the other thing is, if you have a bunch of programs that do little things that aren't breaking ice, so like Tacobi or Data Sucker, yeah. right? You can have those. You can decide which ones you want with other program fetching abilities, but you're, you become memory constrained very quickly. So unless you're going to be bananas and play Monolith, which gives you like plus three, and I tried. But here's the thing. You know what the best way is to get Monolith into play? No. Emergent creativity. Two clicks, two credits maybe, and then you just trash one monolith that's in your hand and oh. dig for the next one and install it. So that's totally doable, except that the professor has one influence and emergent creativity is five. That seems reasonable. I mean, you're just talking about things that can make it super duper easy for a runner to get in and do what they want to do. What I'm talking about is why would you play the professor? If you have a rig that you have in mind, play someone that can help you get that out or help make that more powerful or whatever it might be. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe this is kind of like a Anarch does Shaper kind of thing. Sure. You're I felt just... that way about Cabanesa as well. Yeah. But I just, I tried and it, it's difficult. It's very hard. Right. I could see that. Exile, who literally digs through the garbage. That's kind of his thing. I, I see. Yeah. I built an Exile deck and I was playing against somebody and I realized halfway through that game that I actually didn't put any decoders in my deck and that makes him worse, but putting decoders in there didn't make him much better. So there are a fair number of cards that trigger his ability and he has a link. So there's Test Run, Scavenge, Reclaim, Retrieval Run. Yeah. So those are all cards you could play. Some of them are good. Um, and because of scavenge, I went with lady and that's fine. That's nice to be able to recharge her whenever you want. But I, I mean, I just, it's bad. It doesn't do what you want. You can always be lat. I bet you'll draw more cards if you're lat. What does lat do? He draws a card if you have the same number of cards as the corp. Oh yeah. And he has a link. Yeah. Any other thoughts on exile? It's kind of nerdy looking. Yeah. doesn't really have like a cool backstory. I read through the flavor text. And he's just sad as a person. Somebody dumped him and he's sad and he digs through the garbage. <laughs> That's kind of his whole deal. Huh. Pass. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> not so inspiring so far. So let's talk about top cards. Okay. So top corp cards. What do you got? I didn't have very many. You didn't get to top five. No. Neither did I. I think the only one that I thought was like worth mentioning was sentinel defense program okay because that one was just fun you put in like a brain damage ice and then you get some of that net damage too it was just fun the look on your face when i played it yeah oh i don't remember what else did you have out that made me nervous about that oh it was because it was because you had a next diamond oh, yeah. and i didn't have a good solution this was because i was playing exile and I was like, well, Lady went so well. Maybe I could play Cujo. Bad choice. Bad choice. Do you know why Lady's a good card and Cujo's a bad card? Because Lady is three strength and Cujo is zero strength. 
Oh. Starting out from zero and boosting up every time is bad. When it's a six strength ice that you're dealing with, really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that was scary because that's two brain damage subroutines. Yeah. That's pretty great. I might put that Sentinel Defense in my brain damage deck, Kawinda the Willows. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thanks. Right. So it was the only one that I thought okay. was worth mentioning on a positive side. That's the only one? I think so. Okay. So I picked Cerebral Overrider. Because, again, it makes HB decks, just like the threat of it, makes them a little bit stronger, right? A little bit easier to bluff out agendas. Yeah. And, you know, it makes custom biotics work a little better. Let it go well with the Sentinel Defense program. Just one extra damage, though. Oh, right. Because it does them all as a chunk. The other thing I... So, Efficiency Committee is is kind of a neat little agenda. So, you get three extra clicks whenever... You just can't advance a card. Now, it doesn't say you can't place advancement counters on a card. So there's various operation <sighs> shenanigans you can use that for. Hmm. Right? Like shipment from Kaguya is rotated. But that would be an example of something where you could play it and put advancement tokens on cards and score agendas even though you can't advance cards. Questionable. Okay. I also thought maybe maybe Bastion? Because, you know, a 3-3 three, three, wall of static, that's a card people play. So... Maybe a 4-4, four, four, just one extra credit for one extra strength forever. It's not very useful against, you know, Lamb, for example, because it'll just go right. straight up to 5. Yeah. But it's a card you could play. Yeah. Okay, do you want to instead switch and talk about five most disappointing cards from the corpse side? <laughs> I only picked two. Okay, But tell me about them. Well, I, I guess Bastion was one of them. <laughs> go on. Well, I was thinking Eli 1.0 was four strength, two subroutines. Just seemed better. It's clickable. Well, it's one. It's true. one less credit to res, but yeah. it is better. Yeah. Maybe not on your scoring remote. Right, I can see that. Yeah, and then Gila Hands Arcology. And Arcology just... is a big building where they grow food for themselves. So it's like a self-sustaining community. I don't know. Two clicks to gain three credits. I heard the... that on the basic action card, you can use one click to get one credit. Yeah, that's why I think it's kind of. Eh. Yeah, that's here's the thing. If that was on the basic action card, that you could take two clicks and gain three credits, how often would you do it? If you Not didn't very, even have to score an agenda, probably wouldn't do it very often. And so, like having a three-one in your deck is kind of a liability anyway, right? Because you had to score a bunch of them. Right. And like the advancements to points ratio is so much higher than on a three-two. So not not so good. Yeah. Okay. So those are the two that I was like. I mean, nothing really excited me. It's brutal, right? Yeah. It's a wasteland. Okay, so first thought, has any card in creation control been thought of or discussed as a worse NGO front? No, Gillahan's Arcology. No, Thomas has. Thomas has, but has. That was a third dad joke. Really getting your money's worth. I would say if you're going to deliver it, instead of say Thomas has, say Thomas has. Halls. Like you've got an accent. <laughs> okay, that is way better. Okay, so here's the deal. NGO front, you install it, and then you double advance, uh-huh. and then they want to run it. Yeah. And if they run it, you get eight credits and they get nothing. Yes. Thomas Haas. Halls. <laughs> if you install him and double advance and they run it, then you spent three clicks and two credits 
and then another credit to Resim, which is six credits worth of potential money, and then you trash him four. for four credits. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I, I just here's the thing. Here's the thing. He gives you two credits per advancement token. Yeah. So you paid one and a click to advance him. Feel free to just take that click and gain a credit. I mean, he literally says on the card that he's disappointing. <laughs> it's concerning. Yeah. Okay. Uh, second and, one. And he's unique, so you can only do one of them at a time. Right. You could have NGO friends all over. People are like, gosh, one of these has got to be an agenda. And you're like, nope, not that one either. Okay. I want to mention Zed 1.0. Although I like the art. It's kind of an older Netrunner style. Okay. And I love that he is just so fascinated by a mind of meat. As someone who has a mind of meat, I I love the attention. But here's the deal. He's got one strength. So here's one thing you could do when you run into Zed. You could just break the subroutines with an icebreaker that is a strength one or higher. Most of them are. Yeah. Here's another thing you could do when you run into Zed. You could just spend two clicks to not deal with him. Yeah. That's, you know, maybe a bigger investment. Here's another thing you could do when you run into Zed. Do nothing. And as long as you haven't spent clicks to break subroutines, he doesn't do anything. You're paying two credits for a piece of ice that probably has two blank subroutines on it. Bonkers. Yeah. It's pretty bad. <sighs> okay. Next, I want to talk about... Oh, I only have four disappointing cards. That's too bad. Keep That's going. disappointing in itself. All right. Tear's Hand. Okay. So... It's a big hand. Tyr, the Norse god that Tuesday is named after. Okay. He had his hand bitten off by the wolf Fenris. Like DJ Fenris? Indeed. But there's also a piece of ice called Fenris. And I think he has a hand in his mouth in the art. That's kind of cool. Yep. But here's the thing. You can res it in a weird window when they're about to break a subroutine on a piece of Bioroid ice. So that's the first thing is it's conditional on Bioroid. But if you're running Bioroid, that's fine. No judgment. I've run lots of Stronger Together decks. That's fine. But you, first of all, had to pay a click to install it. Second, you had to pay one to res it. Third, then you trash it, and it prevents the subroutine from being broken. And then do you know what they do? Break the subroutine? Yeah, just break it again. Totally fine. If you ran out of clicks, it's a thing, maybe. But, like, that's, again, assuming that you're running the server, planning on clicking through the bioroids. Or maybe you calculate exactly, but you're not going to calculate exactly to the credit if you if there's an unknown thing in the server that's true you want to have a little bit of extra right so also it does it at the worst possible time when the icebreaker is already up to strength yeah so i don't know sad uh victor 2.0 i wanted to mention is the only other one so the thing about victor victor one was three for three you could spend a click to break and he did a brain damage end of the run so if you were unprepared, you might get a good brain damage out of it. Otherwise, it's a code gate that has to be either clicked through or it will end the run. Okay. I, I like it. It's a nice little thing. Good. Thanks. Here's the thing about Victor. Two clicks for two subroutines. Five for five. That's all right. But so he still has to end the run. He only has two subroutines. So that means that like, unlike say Heimdall 2.0, where he's got like, three subroutines you don't want to fire and you can only break two of them mm. then he's got two subroutines you don't want to fire and you can break both of them so like his bioroidiness is not great the other thing is where victor did a brain damage victor two you have to win on a trace two and then you get a counter 
when you can do a brain damage whenever, assuming that Victor 2 is still rest, right? That's not great. Like, are you saving them up for something? <laughs> I mean, here's the thing you could do, right? You could play Victor 2 in Wayland and then play Helium 3 shipment or whatever it is that lets you put extra power counters on it, right? Oh. But then you have to get the first one, but then you get extra and you can do three brain damage. And it's incredible. It's not great. No, seems like there are more efficient ways of doing things. Yeah. So this has not dramatically changed the way I play HB. No. Although I did build and play an HB deck because you told me to. I did tell you to. And it's pretty fun. Good. I mean, it's about it's time. not all that great, but I did beat you. Because I was exile, for the record. I still won. I feel like a victory against exile is pretty hollow. <sighs> anyway, here's the thing, though. Runner side. Runner side. Did you hey. find five cards that you liked? I did. I actually found six, but you told me not to talk about stealth, so. Right. Yeah. Way to spoil that section. Okay, five cards. Clone chip. Hardware. You just trash it and you get it out from your heap. So that would go well with your heapy. Oh, that's the other one. Yeah, for Exxon. But yeah. it goes it's well with everybody. It does, because what's great is you don't need a click and you can do it during your run right so it's so not just nice. like click saving you're just like oh boy that's a problem yeah, i'll just bring the solution in same thing with my number two or the second, second. one that i'm going to yeah. talk about mm-hmm. self-modifying code okay you also don't need a click so you can just pull what you need when you need it and it's one of those things where it takes two mu which is a lot but you're gonna have it in there when your rig isn't set up all the way Right. So when you have the most space for it. So that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there was one time that I had it, that I wanted to install it, but I only had one MU left, but I didn't really need it. Yeah. I just kind of wanted it. I had the same thing happen once where I had some accessory program that I ended up trashing for a self-modifying code. And then I ended up, I think, reinstalling that program anyway and feeling kind of dumb about it because I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I do need that. Yeah. Okay. Professional contacts. I like that one. It makes money in a card. Two of the car, the actions on the basic action card better. Right. And without an automatic draw on the runner side, having the ability to get cards and money at the same time is a big deal. Yeah. It's kind of expensive, but it's a good investment generally. Unless they get hit by a bus. Yes. <laughs> dirty laundry. I like dirty laundry. I like it because it's not like an either or. Like um, bank job. You run the server, right? and then you have to decide, do you want the money, or do you want to see what those cards are? Also, bank job can only be run on a remote, so Dirty Laundry is pretty great because you can run on anything. You get to access, and you get the money. Yeah, just do a little favor for somebody on the way in. So sometimes I only do it on archives just to get the money, because sometimes that's safe and easy. But it has potential of whatever. I still like it. So that's a little dangerous, right? Because running for three... There could be bad things in archives in a few decks. Yeah. But basically, you just played an easy mark, but you've also turned on all the... The runner may, must have made a successful run triggers. Right. So that's a little something to wor- worry about. Yeah. But yes. You're going to play it with like a notoriety. You can do that. Sure. All right. My fifth card, daily casts. Yeah. Just got to remember what that does. <laughs> so just get two credits at the beginning of every turn. It's pretty rad. Three for eight. Yeah. So it's one better than Sure Gamble. Yeah. But on the plus side, you only need three to get it started instead of five. Right. 
on the minus side, you get it over four turns and you have to keep a resource in play. Yeah. But it's zero influence, and it, unless you're going with the Tagme deck, probably makes all your decks better. Yeah. Okay. So those are my five. So I also had six. I'm going to... Did any overlap? I'm going to say as honorable mention, Levy AR Lab Access, because you can just kind of reset. And so that's helpful if you've got the kind of deck where you're dumping a bunch of stuff in the trash. Oh. And you need it back, especially like high impact events maybe. But also it can just be like if you're dealing with a lot of net damage, you can also just reset on that because your rig stays out and you're just like back to zero in terms of the cards in your deck. So that's nice. But my top five, I also said professional contacts, dirty laundry, and daily casts. It turns out that in Netrunner, having money is really important. Yes, that helps a lot. And the two that I also picked were scavenge so scavenge you know you trash a program and then you can install a program it doesn't have to be the same one but you reduce the credit cost by the number of credits of the first program so didn't you use that in the last game we played you picked up that lady card yeah and put her back down that's the best that's one of my favorite ways to use it and it's i think you're talking about like rejig right where you put it in your hand and put it back down it's similar scavenge is the same way except it's out of the heap, so like it triggers an exile draw, but it also okay. just, you know, it gives you that flexibility if you've got a program that you are done with and you don't need anymore, you can trade it in for something that's more useful. Yeah. And my last card was Feedback Filter, because for a certain type of deck that ends up very rich, you can use Feedback Filter to to basically invalidate a large swath of basically Gentechi decks. I think that's interesting. I know, like during Cash Refresh, I, I played a PE deck and there was a runner that had like 37 credits. And I was like, well, that's fine. Try and find the agendas without dying. And then they installed Feedback Filter and I was like, oh, I'm going to lose this game. <laughs> yeah. So, so if you paid nine, could you prevent three net yeah. damage? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. You just prevent no it one at a time. Yep, it opens basically it opens an interrupt window where you can prevent and you can prevent as many as you want and then that interrupt window closes and then the then the effect happens. Okay. Yep, that's something that Nisei clearly delineated that wasn't it was kind of something everybody just assumed before that. Cool. Yep, stealth. Yeah. So we got lots of I'd say a critical mass of stealth tools. Uh cloak and dagger. Yeah. Cloak was my other card. Yeah. So let's talk about stealth. It's fun. Okay. So, so stealth is a special kind of credit. You have to have them to use these breakers, either to boost them or to break, and it makes them very, very efficient if you have the right kind of credits. Yes. And it's interesting because it's kind of the opposite. Like the original Netrunner had stealth credits, but you would use them for noisy breakers, like to cover up the sound of a sledgehammer or mm -hmm. a jackhammer, I guess it was. But in this, stealth means these are sneaky things that are being extra sneaky. So whatever. Okay. So tell me what your dream stealth rig is. My dream stealth rig? What kinds of things do you like to put in your stealth rig? What are your breakers? What is your support? So first of all, you've run stealth decks out of both Chaos Theory and Smoke. They're both 40 cards, but Smoke Did has I a stealth credit. Do the Smoke one? Oh yeah, you said okay. you loved it. The thing about Chaos Theory is that extra MU is nice because that's the kind of thing that lets you fit a extra cloak. Yeah, that but, is nice. But, and if I could pull it up, I could... So if I recall correctly... I like how you know my deck better than I do. I have, for my programs, 
black cat, cloak, dagger, refractor, and self-modifying code. Okay, so refractor just breaks with normal credits, but boosts really fast with stealth credits. Yeah. Breaks code gates. And you're using dagger for breaking sentries. Yes. And that is the same thing as refractor. Now, the thing that I noticed about dagger is you're spending one stealth credit for plus five strength. And so there are a couple of fun six strength sentries that I yes, enjoyed. Yes, I ran into some of the, those. That was the next diamond, I think. Yeah. That was the major one. I think so. So that's funny. And then black cat might be considered an unconventional choice. It's a fractor. It's anarch. Yeah. And it's four to install. And you can break normally with it. It's a four to install, three strength. And then you can break for one and then get plus one strength for two. But if you're using stealth, you can break three for one and get plus two strength for two. Yeah. And you don't have to spend both of the two to boost it. They don't both have to be stealth, right? Just one. Okay. So that's good. And then you use uh, what? Ghost Runner? Yeah. You go Ghost Runner and then multiple cloaks. Right. And then I use Super Horde. Super. Because it yep. gives you plus two MU. Yep. And I'll tell you, every time you run and like do all these tricky things and then end your turn on exactly the right number of credits for a Super Corridor, it makes me pretty upset. Yeah. Okay. My stealth rig. I like the Ghost Runner. I like the cloaks. And then I'm actually running Lady for a Fractor because it's again, like it doesn't cost money and I can use tricks like Rejig. Uh-huh. To get her back up. And then uh, I'll use the cloaks and then refractor for my decoder. And then for my killer, I really like switchblade. Oh, yeah. You're telling me about this one. Because no matter what it is, you have to use stealth on both. But it's one stealth for plus seven strength, one stealth for any number of subroutines. So you definitely need to have the stealth credits available. But slicing through an Anansi for two credits feels amazing. Okay, so let's compare it with Dagger. Three for, three. three for zero strength, one memory. Yes. It cost me two influence, so I have self-modifying code. I only have two of them in the deck, and I have self-modifying code to try and find it. That kind of stuff. Okay. But then it's one has to be stealth for any number of sentry subroutines. And then Dagger is just one credit. For one subroutine. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and but yours says any number. Any number. Okay. okay. And then one credit for plus seven strength. Himself. And this is one credit one for, five. for five. Yeah. Okay. It's a pretty good card. I like it a lot. Oh, and then Trickster Taka. Yeah. That's the other guy. Because yeah, I was wondering what I spent my influence on. So I spent my influence on two black cats and two Trickster Taka. So Trickster Taka, you might not notice that it's stealth at first, but it gets credits you can use for programs during runs. And it, it ticks up credits by itself. And it's good because it pushes you to run. Yeah, I really like that about it. Because I think other times I would have just sat and been like, oh, let's play it safe. But it really got me in there. Yeah. Doing stuff. And sometimes you don't calculate it right. And you leave two credits on him. And then you accidentally steal an agenda. <laughs> yeah. But yes, I also have two of those. Yeah. So I think stealth is fun too. Against, I think, modern competitive decks... By the time you've got your rig out, they've already won. Mm. But other than that, lots of fun. Maybe we'll get more stealth cards in Uprising. Maybe. Is if not, losing Switchblade, and I think Black Cat is in Lunar, and then uh, Cloak and Dagger would be pretty devastating. Right. And Refractor. That would be 
that would be kind of the end of stealth, I bet. They better play some more, because now that we've talked about it, I'm thinking about my smoke deck, and that was really fun. You want to bring that to regionals? Oh, that's a good idea. If you have something you really think is fun. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about regionals. First of all, we're doing one. We are. Yeah, August 17th, 17th at the Portland Game Store. So you should come. No matter where in the world you are, come and you'll be welcome. If you have $15 have American dollars. But there'll be fun prizes. You got the Arbitz prizes, yeah? Yeah, I think so. I got the impression that he said yes. <laughs> so well, we're planning on having yeah. them. And then the regular stuff. I haven't decided if I'm going to make anything for it. I think you should. Or that whole nice. like newborn thing. Yeah. I was thinking make like a kitchen table net runner mug and give it to the most mediocre player. You know, there are prizes for being in the best. Prizes for being the worst. What about that middle spot? Just like, kind of meh. Just like us. <laughs> Here's the other thing about regionals. There have been lots of them, and I've noticed a trend. Yes. So there are eight top eight slots, as you know, four corp factions. So you're going to have at least two by the most popular corp, right? That's a thing. It has to be. But I've noticed there's a lot that are trending the same way. So first of all, I thought it was interesting. I never guessed that a freedom deck would be doing so well, but a freedom deck won Euros. Okay. That's a big deal. Won't work without crowdfunding. Hmm. Okay. But here's the deal with Wayland. So Wayland was New York Regionals, four out of the top eight. Zurich, five out of the top eight. Do you think that it's weird when they call them Swiss rounds in Zurich? Maybe they just kind of do the chest pump and like... Yeah. Like, we just call them rounds here. <laughs> Reading, six out of eight were Wayland, and four of them were Gagarin. Ghent, three were Wayland. Barcelona, four. Linkoping, Sweden, four out of eight. Taunton, England, seven out of eight. Three were Blue Sun. Prague, just two. Austin, four of the top eight. Melbourne, all eight were Wayland wow. of the top eight, and three were at the outfit. Bremen were just two. Berlin was four out of eight, the three of them being Argus. Calgary is five out of eight. The FFG regional in Mini- in Roseville was six out of eight with four Gagarin. Antwerp was three out of eight. Mississauga in Canada was four out of eight. Louisville just one out of eight. And then again, Euros, the regional championship, five out of eight. I'm surprised at how spread out among Whalen they are. That's it's not the like thing. all Blue Sun or all Argus. Yeah, that's really fascinating. And it's like there's very strong regional differences, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the outfit's really big here, and Argus over here, and Blue Sun over here. Some of those were building a better world. There you go. Yeah. Go basic. I like building a better world. Are you concerned about this? I feel like what the underlying plan is, go fast, have a kill backup. That's kind of the, maybe not Gagarin, but like that's that's kind of the underlying thing that I'm, that I'm smelling out of this. Interesting. I don't think about Blue Sun as like fast and kill. Okay, that's fair. Maybe it's not. And there were some of the... None of them were like occupied by lots of titans. There's a fair number of titans as well. That's the that's the super rushy one. Yeah. Do you think I this don't is a think problem? I'll ever have a super rushy deck? I don't think that fast. You can take your turns as slow as you want. You just don't have very many of them. <laughs> I don't know. I still like my setup time. Okay. All right. So, do you think that? So basically, the only thing that changed with the corp MWL, right, is that the Gagarin. SIU zealous judge thing doesn't work anymore. Okay. So I think that that's going to hurt that. But other than that, the only thing that's really changed is like crowdfunding come off. 
means that it's possible to have more horizontal sets, right? So it's not that Wayland's getting weaker. It's just that things like industrial genomics or controlling the message might be more viable. What do you think? Think we're going to see a bigger diversity at the Portland regionals? I think so. I don't really have any strong stuff to back that up. I get the sense that our region is not very competitive. People just play a lot of funny things that they like. Oh, yeah. So I think that that's part of it. But I also think that hopefully we'll see a more diverse meta. Because I love Wayland, but I also don't want all the runners teching against Wayland. That's a good point. I just feel like at other tournaments, we haven't had like a strong presence of one faction, right? It's been spread okay. out. Counterpoint, do you remember regionals last year and how many Clan Vengeance zero decks there were? Ugh. I think maybe each one that there was felt like five or six you were playing against. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. It's better that you do. I'm sad because I feel like Zero is a really fun card, and they're keeping it banned because obviously Clan Vengeance is a bad card, so it must be Zero's fault for making it into a monster card. Why don't they just get rid of Clan Vengeance? I think they could even just say Clan Vengeance only counts for damage dealt to you by the corp. Because why are you so angry if you did it to yourself? Why is your clan so angry? They'd be like, bro, don't do that anymore. If you don't like the way it feels when you grab it, then don't feel it. You know what I mean? That zero kind of zaps you. I don't know. Anyway, that would be a flavor win from my perspective and fix the problem. But zero is really fast, right? It might be too fast, but that's why it felt so good to play. Ah. Okay, great. So how can people get in touch with us? Email kitchentablenetrunner at gmail.com. Comment on wherever you're listening to this. You could even give it a good rating if you wanted to. We would take that. You would. And we'd love to hear from you. So be awesome. Good luck at regionals. Hope to see you at Worlds. Yeah. And until then, play, play Netrunner. Wow, that was way out of sync. Ooh. Because I know there's no snare. But you found some juicy meatballs in there. Juicy meatballs? Spicy meatballs? (laughs) Juicy. I'm not sure what. Juicy watermelons? I still have a newborn. I'm still sleep deprived. And it's summer break. And I got all the kids at home. Okay. All right. Forgiven. The point is.